This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. On this show, we delve deep into the world of love, dating, and relationships. I'm your host, Laura Bellata, joined this evening by philanthropist and media personality, Joan Kelly Walker. Hey, Laura. I feel like like doing that like hand clap, you know, that hi. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! So <laughs> on today's episode, we're tackling a topic that's all too familiar to so many of us, and that's toxic relationships. And to help us navigate this complex issue, I'm excited to be joined by renowned recovery expert, addictions treatment specialist, inspirational speaker, and best-selling author, TJ Woodward. Hey, TJ. Hi, so happy hey, to be here hey. with you. Yeah, and together we're, we're going to be exploring some of the most pressing questions about toxicity in relationships, uh, from the root causes to moving beyond toxicity to create fulfilling, loving, and happy relationships that nourish us. And with TJ's wealth of knowledge and experience, we're going to uncover powerful insights that will empower you to transform your relationships and take control of your life. So let's dive in, guys, and welcome to the show. So, you know, I'm going to just jump in with the first question here for TJ. So what is meant by the statement, toxicity starts within? What does that mean? Well, what it means is I recognize or I've experienced that in our culture now, there is a huge conversation about toxicity and about removing toxic relationships. And most often when I hear people talk about it, they tend to talk about something outside of themselves. This person is toxic. My boss is toxic. This mm -hmm. environment is toxic. What I'm inviting is that we can actually unplug from that and look at what needs to be healed within so that we're actually choosing some something different. And there are many layers to this conversation, but that's in the simplest form. What I'm saying is rather than hoping that someone else is going to change, I look at how I can make the internal changes so I can actually take my power back. You know what, TJ? I love it. And it's this is why it's so important to heal our own emotional wounds. And I talk about this all the time. If, if you're struggling with feelings of hurt, insecurity, maybe you have unresolved anger and we tend to project those feelings onto our relationships and that can lead to toxic dynamics and it doesn't always show up right away right it takes time to surface sometimes you think hey i'm good i'm good right i'm happy i'm happy but then you get into this relationship and then all these negative emotions and all the anger starts surfacing and 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 yeah like so hey um it's really good to heal from past wounds. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really the important part, what you're talking about. How many times have we heard someone say, this time it's going to be different. This work situation is going to be different. This partner is going to be different. And then we're in that honeymoon phase. And then at some point, the same familiar patterns start to show up. And as you said, as long as we're projecting, which is 100% of the time, right? We're looking at the world through our own lens. 
when we're projecting, then we're not able to do the deeper healing. So um, it's, again, a nuanced conversation because we don't want to go from blaming someone else to blaming ourselves. We want to look at it as an opportunity for healing. And lately, I've been using the phrase from projection to connection. I don't know where that came to me a few days ago, but that's what I'm. what's alive within me. How can I shift my life from projecting to actually connecting? So I guess what you're saying is that, you know, if you look at different environments, like different work environments or different relationships, the only thing that's consistent is us, right? right. So, so how do you recognize that if you've internalized those false beliefs that contribute to toxic relationships? Well, like where I does that even start? That's a big platform. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it starts by noticing the patterns, as you said. So once I see I'm in a repetitive pattern, generally what often gets said is like, oh no, I'm in this pattern again. I need to leave the situation. I need to take care of myself. I need to remove myself from toxicity. And obviously in some cases that's true, but we're going to take ourselves with us. And again, we're not saying we're going to blame ourselves. We're going to look at you named it the core beliefs, and I like to call them core false beliefs. Uh, we pick up lies about ourselves very early in our lives before we even have brains that are developed to understand what's happening. We develop these core false beliefs. So if I'm walking around, for example, with a belief that I'm not lovable, I'm literally vibrating with that frequency and I'll walk into a room and I'll find the person from an energetic standpoint or unconsciously, I'll find the person to confirm the core false belief. So yes, in some cases, it's about leaving the relationship, but ultimately the deeper work is how do we start to heal these core false beliefs that are contributing to the choices we've been making? And what would other core false beliefs be? Like you well, mentioned, they, I'm not lovable. Like what, what else could it be? Usually they start with I am or I am not. And in my many years of working with people, <clears throat> the two or three or maybe four most popular that I hear are I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And then, like I said, I'm not lovable. Um, those three seem to show up most often in some ways. And then, of course, we develop strategies to manage those. And uh, maybe they work in the beginning, but maybe they're not really creating the connection that we desire at this point. Yeah, you know what? And another belief that comes to mind for me is that the belief that your partner should fulfill all of your needs and make you happy all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, this belief can lead to unrealistic expectations and put a lot of pressure on your partner. It can also lead to a sense of entitlement and resentment if your partner doesn't live up to your expectations. So that's another example, Joan. Yeah. 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 And I was just giggling because, you know, having been married for 23 years, <laughs> I mean, that's clearly not the case, but I, I know that in the past I had done that and I probably still do that in my current relationship. I have expectations that would put pressure on the relationship. It's interesting. Yeah. And what happens is um, we, if we're out of touch with who we really are, and if we have these core false beliefs, we will look to the world to try to fix or change them, right? So if I believe I'm unlovable, I'm looking for someone to try to help me feel lovable. But as we've already established, it doesn't really work that way, but only 100% of the time. <laughs> I really want to get into healing our inner toxicity to shift the external circumstances in our relationships, but I don't think we have enough time. So we're going to take a quick break. 
And then when we come back, we're gonna dive deeper into detoxing from toxic relationships right after the break. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker this evening, and we're continuing our conversation with TJ Woodward on how to say goodbye to toxic relationships. So right before the break, we were talking about detoxing from toxic relationships. And my question is, how do we or can we go about healing that inner toxicity and that'll shift the external circumstances in our relationship? How do we do that? Well, first of all, I love the way you asked the question because that's the key, right? We're going to look at what needs to be healed within. So as we established no one can actually bring us relief from this, but ourselves. And it starts with an understanding that we're all, this is how we're do. We're all operating this way in the world. We have these core false beliefs and therefore we see the world through that lens. And so we look at what needs to be cleaned and cleared away within us and healed so that we are having different choices. So I love the way you asked that. And it starts to me, a, a wise person once said, there are three steps to healing, awareness, awareness, and awareness. And I love that because <laughs> many of us aren't even aware that we're doing this, this dynamic. It's like, no, this person's not available for me. How many times have we heard that, right? And so we ask ourselves the question, what am I wanting them to be av available for? Do I want them to actually do my healing? That's where we end up creating a dynamic in a relationship where we have these deep challenges. So we unplug from that. We're aware that we're doing that. And to me, the deeper work starts to become something about looking at where these core false beliefs originated because they're much deeper than a thought. It's not just about change the narrative, which is really popular now. It really is when did I first start believing that I was unlovable and not worthy and not good enough? How do I go back really healing from that place of the original wound, not so much from what's happening, happening currently? Mm -hmm. And TJ, you know, we often feel that we need to change them, right? <laughs> Common denominator. Can you explain why we should focus on changing ourselves instead of trying to change other people? Well, I think it's really simple. I've tried so hard to change other people on planet Earth, and it just hasn't worked. <laughs> uh, I used and to do the me, same I've thing. Tried. I... <laughs> and I'm guessing by the laughing I'm hearing that, yeah. that I'm not alone in this. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't really have the ability to change other people. And we also at some point realize that if the other person, even if we could get them to change, it doesn't actually heal the wound. And when I say the wound... I want to start with something that is foundational for me. We came into the world as whole and perfect beings. And if that doesn't resonate for someone, we could say, well, we come in as a blank canvas and then we absorb all these messages at a very, very young age. And so the, the deeper work here is actually happening in the unconscious or subconscious. It's not, let me change my thoughts. It's not, let me change them. Not because that's not fun. <laughs> that can be fun. But ultimately, we need to meet ourselves at a much deeper level. And unplugging from thinking the world needs to change so I can be happy 
is a very crucial first step as we've established. Yeah. And I feel like when we, oh, can I just say one thing? Um, And when I feel like when we do focus on changing ourselves, we're taking responsibility for our own lives and for our own happiness. And we're not relying on other people to change in order to make us happy or to solve our problems. I think that, which is very, very important. And also it can be very empowering and can lead to a greater sense of self-control and self-esteem, which is very important for dating and for relationships. Well, I think that's for your self-esteem, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's what, what you're saying is so important and so vital because we look at not only what's more effective, right? Because trying to change other people, first of all, is exhausting. And we find the other person for some reason, resisting that desire to control or change, right? Mm-hmm. But the deeper freedom that we can experience by unplugging from the conditions of the world and looking at how we heal this, unplugging from that and plugging into what needs to shift within me, as you so beautifully said, that's empowering. We can empower ourselves to start to heal and realize that there's no one else on planet earth, no situation, no amount of achievement that's ever going to help us to feel different. Ultimately, this deeper work is what's required. And on the other side of it is this beautiful sense of connection and freedom. And that's really what we're all desiring, love and connection. So do people have a hard time identifying what their own specific internalized self-beliefs are? Yes, I think the short answer is yes. And once we're aware, well, I'll I'll share it from my own journey. There was- Yeah, how do you gain that awareness of of what they are? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking, yeah, I need to work on myself, but I don't really understand what those things are. Like, do I have feelings I'm not worthy? Do I have feelings I'm not lovable? Like, we all don't go around with this big cloud over our head thinking- I am identifying like I'm not good enough. Like sometimes you feel good enough. Sometimes you don't like, is it, it's not that cut and dry, is it? No, I agree. It's very nuanced. And for many of us, we are not aware that they're even there. And we want to be really careful to say, we're going to look for these, um, not because we want to disempower ourselves, but because we want to empower ourselves. Because if I'm not aware of the core false belief, I'm just trying, and you know, the phrase changing the deck chairs on the Titanic, if I'm just trying to change the externals. So the awareness comes, sometimes people will say, well, I'm absolutely not in touch with any of these core false beliefs. I don't think I have them. And so I might say, what are the repetitive situations in your life that cause you pain? They can usually get in touch with that. And then we can go through what is familiar about them. Well, what's familiar is I keep finding myself in unavailable relationships. Then we might say, well, when the person seems to be unavailable, what do you experience and feel? And then they might say, I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel hurt. And are you in touch with a belief that is connected with that? Yeah. When I get to that place, I often feel like I'm never going to be enough. Okay. So if you feel like you're never going to be enough, what might the core false belief be? Well, I'm not enough. And then you say, in what way was that historical when did this begin? And, you know, I walked us through that in about 60 seconds. You know, we want to take a little bit more time with that, but it starts with looking at the repetitive patterns. And then my thoughts about those repetitive patterns, then see if you can get in touch with a feeling that gets created as these patterns reemerge in your life. And then is there a core false belief? 
And then we start to look at where it originated. And for most of us, it's very young, three, four, five, six, and seven years old. So the healing is about integrating that younger self. Again, not working on what's happening in current reality, but looking much deeper. You know, there was someone on our show last week that I challenged her a little bit on this. So I'd love to hear your response. So um, she mentioned that the patterns generally form uh, at childhood, okay, which I agree with, and but that they normally won't form after being in a toxic or damaging relationship. Do you think that's true? Well, I think it, it's true. Absolutely. And it's also it can happen true. in both places. <laughs> right. Yeah, it happens in both places. Usually what happens, and this isn't every time and every one, but usually we develop core false beliefs at a very young age. And then we go about unconsciously reconfirming that. And of course, we get rewounded in these relationships. Again, we're not saying that, um, you know, the person is totally available and I just see them as unavailable. No, I've chosen someone that won't be able to show up for me. And so in a, like, let's look at it in an extreme case, right? Someone who is sexually abused as a young person, we know it's not their fault, but as a child, somehow we believe that it's our fault on some level. And as an adult, we say, well, of course, it's not your fault. Of course, you didn't have a choice. You were six years old. But there's something that happens in that exchange and our brains aren't even developed. So we end up concretizing these core false beliefs. Then we walk out in the world. And what happens in some of these extreme cases is we end up finding someone who becomes abusive. So there's even more damage, right? And so, again, we're not saying, wow, um, it's not that person's fault that they're, you know, in some cases, abusing me, but I did choose it, not from a place of blame. It's very, very important to have this distinction, but from a place of, yes, if someone is in an abusive relationship, we leave the relationship. As we leave the relationship, then we start to heal the wound. So I think they develop early and then we end up replicating them. And of course, there is damage that's also caused in our teen years and our young adult years and throughout our lives. But ultimately, what we're saying is the healing actually happens from within. Wow. Well, thank you so much for clarifying that. <laughs> thank you. We need to take a break, guys. Um We've learned some valuable insights on shifting our inner beliefs to create healthier relationships. Um, and before we move on, we're going to take a quick break and then stay tuned as we continue our discussion with TJ Woodward. We'll be back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata with Joan Kelly Walker, joined by TJ Woodward, discussing how to keep toxicity at bay so we can build more fulfilling relationships. So we've been talking about shifting our beliefs, specifically our internalized false beliefs to create healthier patterns for ourselves and our relations. Uh, so can you share practical tips on shifting our beliefs to create better patterns? 
Yes, absolutely. And I love that you asked that because sometimes I walk away from conversations thinking, well, all that sounds great, but how do I actually do it? So I love <laughs> that you're asking that. And again, we, we, we establish that we're aware that we have repetitive patterns. Usually that's what happens. Someone either has a breakup or um, loss of a job, some event that's painful. And then we start to look at what are the beliefs we're carrying. The deeper work here and how we actually heal it is inner child work. And, you know, that phrase gets thrown a lot around a lot. So I want to be specific about what I mean. When we get in touch with a core false belief and we start to realize that it is something that has been with us throughout our lives, um, for me in my own journey, first it was, oh, what a relief. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for so many years. And then I went into self-blame and self-criticism. So we want to be aware if we're doing that and interrupt that by saying, wow, I was such a precious little child. And I looked at, I remember when my nephew turned seven and I looked at him and he was just this beautiful, perfect being. And I thought, wow, that was the age I decided that I was broken. And so it was very um, difficult for me because I had to lean into that. And so when we talk about inner child work, we start to first see if we can get in touch with what it felt like. Usually we have traumatic experiences and, you know, we could talk about what trauma is and, you know, it's a large umbrella, but we have a traumatic experience and most often we don't have the ability at a young age to feel it. So we either shut down. So we either fight, flight or freeze. Um, and that gets somehow deeply buried. My strategy was freezing. So when my parents would fight and, and it was difficult for me to be around certain energies in my house, I would go into my room and close the door and play and go into fantasy. And so as an adult, I would find myself unconsciously feeling numb or checking out when things got difficult. And so having compassion and going back and asking or integrating that small child and saying, what are you feeling? Because what I was really feeling was sad and afraid, but there was nothing to do with that. So the strategy was, let me pretend like it's not happening and go into fantasy that was a long answer, but that's really the deeper work is really how to care for that young child, starting with, it's okay for you to feel, it's safe for you to feel, and I'm here for you. Those are the three phrases I use in the inner child work. Are we challenging the negative belief? Oh, I love that you're asking that. Um, I actually don't think it's super effective to challenge the the belief and mm -hmm. I'll tell you why. I think, let, let me let me say it a little bit differently. Yes and no. We do want to question the belief, but we don't want to try to talk ourselves out of it because nothing could be truer that we want to change the belief and it also isn't really useful. So a lot of times people will say, um, I'm going to like look in the mirror and say the opposite to myself. And that can be useful. Or a lot of modalities will say opposite action. Well, the more I act worthy, the more I will feel worthy. But at some point, the deeper work isn't talking ourselves out of it. It's having compassion for when we developed it and looking at how we managed it back then and how we can now create a space where we can actually feel it. A very young child, a pre-programmed human, anyone who's had a toddler in their life knows they will let us know exactly what they're feeling, exactly when they're feeling it. And it can be very explosive. But after they have that explosive emotion, they go 
it moves through them. So we want to be able to go back and feel it. And that's the way we get through it. So are there any other like practical tips for shifting those things? And I know you've, you've explained this. It just seems like there's so much, like, what if I get a a thought going through my head? Like you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly, whatever the thought is, what can I do right then and there to, like you said, saying the opposite to yourself and doing things like that. Are there other simple practical tips that you can think of like, uh, meditation or physical activity or, um, working out like, do those things help support this as well? I think it's really important when that happens to pause and to see if I can say, what does that feel like in my body? What am I noticing? Um, I do a practice where I invite people to look in the mirror and set a timer and say, what are you experiencing? What are you experiencing? See if you can get in touch with what you're experiencing without the story. Because um, yes, it is useful to work out or useful to go take a walk or it's useful to have a conversation or dialogue with the thought. But the deeper work is to pause and have compassion. So, wow, that's really sad to hear myself talk about myself that way. I'm noticing sadness. For me, I put my hand on my heart. I take a couple deep breaths and I notice the emotion that's attached to it. So in other words, I don't try to change the thought. I try to be present with it and have compassion for it and then see if I can get in touch with the feeling that is connected with it, actually feel it, and then it will organically move through us. And it sounds intangible in some ways, but it actually becomes profoundly practical. Pause, take a deep breath. What am I feeling? And allow myself to feel it. I love that. Pause and have compassion. That's beautiful. I'm going to write that down and I'm going to put it on my computer screen. And you know what works for me, Joan, is practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yes. Honestly, um, because there are so many more people that have it worse off, right? So when you focus on what you're thankful for, you shift your attention away from negative thoughts and feelings. And you may find it easier to let go of that frustration or those negative emotions that contribute to stress and anxiety. So that's mm-hmm. another little tip. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about pause and have compassion when you have that inner dialogue. So TJ, can you provide an example of how how that works, how reconnecting to our wholeness can transform a toxic relationship? Yeah, I love this because this is where I really come alive in the conversation. A lot of times working you know, in the addiction, uh, addiction treatment field and behavioral health field for many, many years. A lot of times I think we tend to look at someone who is struggling and that can be ourselves as broken or damaged in some way. And what I'm asking the question, the question is what if underneath all of that behavior is an essential self that's whole and perfect as a starting point to start to heal some of this, to say, I have a wound, but I'm not my wound. I have a past, but I'm not my past. I came into the world as a whole and perfect being, and then the world programmed me. Don Miguel Ruiz calls it the domestication of the human, and I love that. We get domesticated to believe we're broken or damaged. The deeper healing is so much easier when I get in touch with the place within me that's unharmed and unharmable. So regardless of what has happened, or even regardless of what I've done, there is still that place of essential wholeness. Reconnecting with that 
is something that is so powerful as a starting point, because when I realize that that place is within me and I discover that, or I cultivate a relationship with that in two ways, one, spending time in the silence, feeling the energy or the frequency of that essential beingness, and two, pretty much questioning everything we've ever believed. Um, Rumi, the great poet Rumi says, we're not here to seek for love, but to seek and find all the barriers that we have put on top of it or in the way of it. And I think that speaks to this so beautifully. Wow. And what practices can we incorporate into our daily lives to maintain our connection to our wholeness? Well, I to think ensure it's... that we, yeah, to ensure that we bring this into future relationships. Yeah, I think it's spending time in the silence. And one thing that I would love to dive more into is a process that I call living in the question. And that will help us actually be able to start to dismantle some of the ideas, beliefs, and points of view that we have that are keeping us feeling disconnected. Living in the question. That's what I want to ask you about when we come back after the break. Don't go anywhere. show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's time for more of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker, getting back to our conversation with TJ Woodward on creating healthier relationships. And before the break, we said we were going to take a deeper dive into the process of, quote, unquote, living in the question. So what does that mean? Very simply said, living in the question is simply asking ourselves questions that open up to different possibilities. So we want to use open-ended question, meaning a question that can't be answered with yes or no. And we want to choose a question that's actually empowering. And the reason this process is so important, we asked much earlier in the show, how do we change some of these beliefs? Well, this is something that's really practical. I notice myself having a belief and then I can ask myself a series of open-ended questions. Some of my favorite questions are, what am I making this mean? What else is possible in this situation? Who have I really come here to be? What makes me come alive? So you can ask questions in the moment when you're finding yourself uh, one word I no longer use is trigger. I use the word activation. So trigger implies that someone or something makes me feel a certain way. Activation is the wound just got touched. So in a moment of activation, I can say, what am I noticing? What am I making this mean? What else is possible here? We can also go into meditation and take a question into, into our meditation. What What is my true purpose now? And we just meditate on that for 30 minutes. You can also choose a question and just stay with it throughout the day. I love the question, what else is possible? That's my favorite one of all. Let's talk about, uh, Joan, unless you have a question about that. 
Well, you know, I was just curious because in your introduction, we were talking uh, about the fact that you're a renowned recovery expert, addiction treatment specialist, um, and you referred a couple times uh, to that type of recovery. Um, and I guess I'm just trying to put a link between your expertise and recovery. So these things are so practical for everybody in the world, but also supporting people who are in recovery. So is it all the same techniques or are there differences? I think it's all the same techniques. It's just someone who is in recovery might have a tendency to, to go to a substance, um, whether that be drug or, drugs or alcohol, maybe gambling, maybe overeating, maybe undereating, maybe over shopping, maybe sex. There's a lot of different ways that we use to manage these core false beliefs and this energy that we're feeling. And some would call that addiction if we continue to do it repetitively, right? And I like to say, uh, as long as it's working, we don't call it addiction. We call it fun. It's only when it starts to cause problems that we say, oh, let me take a look at this. So the tools are the same for all of us, but how this conversation relates to addiction and or recovery is if I if it's painful enough, you know, those moments where you're like, I'm, I'm going to break up with this person or I can't believe... You know, I thought this person was going to be different. I find myself in the same difficult pain. Many of us will say, well, how do I start to work through this? Someone who has a history of substance abuse might say, I'm going to go drink so I don't have to feel this. So I think that's the different. The difference, um, a lot of recovery models focus on the drinking or the using, and in conscious recovery is my my method and my model. We unplug from all of that, and we look at how we can heal these deeper core false beliefs reconnect with our essential wholeness so we're not wanting to medicate that pj you sound like such a magical person mm-hmm. oh, thank you, you you're, oh, yeah. you're magical people i love this <laughs> yeah you know and i listen i'm a huge fan i want to talk about setting boundaries because i think setting boundaries is really important um and can probably help you from detoxing from toxic relationships right so Yeah. And people tend to feel bad about setting boundaries. But I always say, like, you need to remember that it's not being selfish or controlling. It's about taking care of yourself and your own well-being. And so I ask you, TJ, how can we set these healthy boundaries to protect ourselves from toxicity in our relationships? Well, this is going to be fun because I like to be provocative around the topic of boundaries. I I put out a short video. I put out a short video that's titled, What If We Don't Need Boundaries? And so let me be clear of what I'm saying and what I'm not saying, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. Let's start with that. But when we think of boundaries, we often, and this really kind of goes back to our very early conversation in today's show, um, we tend to think of the boundary as for the other person, right? So I, you know, we'll we'll say, I'm going to set a boundary with my mom and tell her she can no longer do this, right? And so we're still in the, sort of the, the point of view of, I'm going to see if I can change her behavior. So if we're going to use the term boundary, it would be for myself. Here's a line that I'm not going to cross because when I cross it, I find myself in the same dynamic. But the reason I'm provocative about what if we don't need boundaries I'm really talking about energetic boundaries. And so a lot of times um, we close off because we think we have to protect ourselves from someone. 
Um, you know, we could do a full hour on this because it's a very nuanced conversation. What I'm not saying is let's just take down all our boundaries, especially for those of us who have a strategy of people pleasing, if you will. And I know now there's a new, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And now there's fawn, which I'm sure you've heard. And that just basically means I'm going to focus on making you happy instead of myself. If I'm in that dynamic, I'm going to set the boundary for myself. The deeper conversation here, though, is am I walking around putting up these energetic boundaries and what is that creating? And in many cases, it's actually about taking the boundary down. The video that I made with that provocative title is speaking to professionals because a lot of times therapists, counselors, coaches think, oh, I need to protect myself from this person's energy. And I think there we can take the boundary down and create a deeper connection. So it again, multi-layered conversation we could do a whole hour on. Great. Maybe we'll have you back on to give people actual steps on that would be very good idea. (laughs) Yeah, I would love that. We could title it. Do you really need boundaries? (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) And then I would say not always. Yeah. So, so if I'm listening to this show and I'm thinking, you know, I need to protect myself. It, everything always comes down to communication. How do people communicate effectively? If you happen to be in a toxic relationship? Are there ways to improve this or will toxic relationships just stay that way? Well, I think there, there's a, it's a twofold process, right? It's everything we've been talking about for the last hour, which is unplug and do our own healing, um, not trying to control the other person, but look at what needs to be healed within me. And then you talked about communication. So there is a model, nonviolent communication. Most of us know it. And the the model in a, in its simplest form says, when you blank, I feel blank. I actually take out the when you and just say things like, I notice I'm feeling sad right now. I notice I'm feeling agitated. So if I'm in a, a dynamic, right? Because there's two people in a dynamic, let's, let's say an intimate romantic relationship It's never one person. It's not like it's one person's fault or it's definitely not like one person's toxic and one person isn't. And if we can move away from labeling each other or ourselves as toxic and just say, wow, we've created this dynamic and this dynamic I'm now realizing is familiar. And not only is it familiar, but it's like something that's causing a great deal of pain. Learning how to communicate clearly what I'm feeling without saying something like you make me feel is a really important important first step because I move from blame to let me just name this and then we can see if we can both show up for each other. And in that way, you can actually start to heal what we once called toxic. Well, we've come to the end of another amazing episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. We hope that our conversation with TJ Woodward has inspired you to take responsibility for your own healing and growth so that you can cultivate healthy, enriching relationships. TJ, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Where can people learn more about you? Oh, thank you. It's been such an honor. I loved our conversation. I loved Uh, it too. Thank you. And tjwoodward.com is where you can find about my books, my social, all of that, tjwoodward.com. And Joan, where can people um, find you? You can find me looking at TJ's uh, books and ordering (laughs) a few of them. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can find me on Instagram at Joan Kelly Walker Official. 
I love it. And uh, as well, myself, official Laura Bellotta on TikTok, Instagram. And if you're single, looking to meet the love of your life, check out singleinthecity.ca. Thank you uh, for joining us tonight. Thank you.